Welcome to the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast with the mention of whiskey in its title now after about 10 episodes of doing so. We are live on Instagram. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. We are live from the Barrel Room at Fountainhead Chicago. If you didn't know, you should know already that over this past summer, we've been recording episodes so graciously hosted by Bob Zacharias right here to my right, who is the manager of Fountainhead on their roof deck. But we have moved into the sacred barrel room where their barrel picks, the heads of those barrels, rest as monuments to what they have done in the whiskey industry <laughs> for Chicago, uh, providing great whiskey for everybody. Uh, my name is Jake Hookie. I am the host of the Key in the Light podcast. I started this podcast a year and a half ago with my good buddy, Wilson Torres. Hey, young world. <laughs> and this is like the second or third time we're going live, but what we decided to do is start a whiskey podcast a year and a half ago to tell the stories of people within the industry from an industry perspective and focusing more on people behind the label and not necessarily everything about the bottle um, inside of it and do not do a uh, kind of like a previews and tastings and reviews of stuff it was kind of more about the people of the industry so we started a podcast um, 99 episodes ago and tonight we are recording number one zero zero the ton it's a t- <laughs> and that guy over there to my far left is Callum O'Donnell, the Abelauer Chicago brand ambassador, who started recording with us last November or so and just never really left. <laughs> Can't get rid of me. No. Not even, with, not even with fucking trying. <laughs> <laughs> we tried. We tried and we tried. But what, we, uh, what we've done here over the last hundred episodes is really talk to people from all over the country and all over the world. Um, Key in the Lake, I don't really talk about it too much where the name comes from or originates from, but it's from a, a book called The Old Time Saloon written by George Aid, who was an author, um, pre-Prohibition era author, and then carried into writing about whiskey and Chicago and the loop and everything kind of going on mainstream Chicago um, in that time period, even to, into the 30s. And he, in his book, he said that if a proprietor opened a bar in the loop, this is pre-prohibition, they could throw the key into the lake because they'd be so busy with debauchery and, you know, the dregs of everything in life when it came to men drinking back then and who knows what they were drinking either, uh, that they could throw the key in the lake because at 24-7, they would always be busy. And I thought it was really cool, like, band name. If I ever started that punk rock band, you know, after, like, 33 years. There's still said, time. There's still time. There's still time. There's still time. Um, but, Lack of time. But I wanted to get into, I wanted to just tell you kind of where that name originates from. It's a slightly whiskey-related term but a little bit more um, kind of a, a cultish term, as if you will, yeah. as Calum is wearing it on his chest yeah. so proudly. Good. And Wilson's wearing a Star Wars hat. I am. Nice. Very this cool. This is a, a little pay homage to my, my best friend Jake here. And his Appreciate plans, it. So, yeah. yeah, so who I am, because um, a lot of people maybe not know because I don't really talk about myself too much on this podcast, is that I'm a brand ambassador for a company called Star Wars out of Melbourne, Australia. But when we started the podcast, I was freelancing, doing a lot of uh, – um, writing, photography, um, coming here to Fountainhead, taking pictures for um, Bob and his Whiskey awesome, Week. Yeah, his awesome fun, stuff. Fun events, yeah. Yeah, so, and just kind of doing that and turned into a job as my email pops up. This is a Sunday. What's my email doing? Don't even worry about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of a thing that's, I've been working in the industry now for seven years or so and wanted to get back into doing whiskey. So when I had the chance to offer to me with Star Wars, jumped right back into it, but I didn't want to stop the podcast. And I had a few other job offers at the time, actually, um, from other distilleries, and they said I would have to shut down the podcast. They thought that I was promoting other brands other than just discussing other brands and the right. stories behind them. Yeah. Um, but my boss, David Vitale, who is the founder of Star Wars, shout out to you, he was like, 
keep doing what you're doing. Like you're passionate about this. I want someone passionate about whiskey working for my company. So, uh, over a year ago, about a year and almost the same time we started the podcast, uh, I've been still doing that and doing this and Wilson Torres to my left, who I started the podcast with was a brand ambassador or market manager for union horse distillery out of Lenexa, Kansas and still is to this day till this day. Yeah. I haven't, I don't know if they even know I do this quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so I may I not tag have them a in few things. <laughs> <laughs> just don't say you support Jim yeah. Murray. <laughs> well, I mean, it's I, I'm pretty sure they know. Um, I think like like you know like your um, like Dave. You know, I think they're really supportive in the fact that hey, he loves whiskey, he loves bourbon, he loves the industry, he loves his friends, he loves Chicago, he loves the market. Um, why wouldn't we? You know, allow him to do it. So it, it hasn't really ever come up. So I'm assuming that they're cool with it. Um, <laughs> if that's the case, thanks, the Garcia family. Uh, Lenexa, Kansas, shout out to you. Uh, Kansas City. If it's your first you listen, know. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that's kind of who we are and what the podcast started out as. And it was, it's been a really, I think, surprising um relatable experience for people to enjoy in this industry, especially in Chicago based. We kind of turned it into a Chicago podcast based around whiskey um this summer we focused so much on what's happened or ever since the pandemic we focus on what's happening to brands and restaurants and bars like here at fountainhead um we don't really solve anything but we talk about it a lot right yeah yeah. (laughs) it's it's good discussion with everybody and and first just thank you guys for a reaching out to me to have me on um over i feel like it was over a year ago uh actually so I was just first looking today. On, right? The first time we recorded in this barrel room was for Indie Spirits Week last year yes. on September 24th. That's right. Yes. And uh, yeah. the first time you came on was episode 17. Yeah, that, that was at Beguile. Yeah, that's at Beguile when we were recording there, which shout out to Beguile. Shout we recorded 40 episodes at Beguile. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we got our start doing the podcast. The owner of Beguile, Kevin Carey, said, yeah, start a whiskey podcast at my brewery. It'll be awesome. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> obviously, it'll be awesome. And we recorded that. We recorded 40 episodes there over the last year and a half. Um, only one this summer so far, uh, obviously logistically with breweries and stuff. That's a whole other story to get into. But um, Kevin and the whole family over at Beguile, we love you thank and you. uh thank you for everything for that yeah, and bob that. please finish your yeah now. no i will just say first off congratulations guys on, on 100 you. episodes that's it's pretty awesome and and it's been a great uh I've, I've had a great time being able to hang out with you guys and chat with you guys and hear your guys side um of things me being on on the front of house on premise side and to be able to talk to to you guys and the reps and uh to kind of see the other aspect of it as well uh, it's been a uh, been a blast. So and it's been great to to hang out with you guys. And thanks for for wanting to do some podcasts up on the rooftop yeah. and, and try to enjoy our summer in this weird, strange world that we're that we're living in right now. The so pleasure. I, I, is I, pre- I appreciate it. Really do. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. Uh, we I reached out to you pretty early on back in June and said, you know, let's record one and. It was such a fun experience. I'm like, let's keep recording them mm-hmm. and see how it goes. And you've got some awesome guests for us. Uh, we've had awesome guests. We've had people from the Fountainhead family on as well. Yeah. Um, and this really makes a very uh, inviting experience every time coming back here as a patron. Or even when I walk in here to do to do work and, you know, people are like, hey, Jake, you here to do a podcast? Like, I'm actually here to sell whiskey today, but uh, <laughs> Friday I'll be here to record the podcast. Um, but it's been it's been an awesome time, absolute pleasure. When you, if you ever you come, whenever you get a chance to travel again and you know enjoy the the pleasures of life, like hanging out in a bar, hanging out in a whiskey bar, make sure when you come to Chicago, stop at Fountainhead, say hi to Bob. 
They have over 900 whiskeys here, a great selection, mm-hmm. and really damn good food, too. Very Ooh. good food. Yeah. That the was muscles. Th- yeah. Oh. The muscles. The burger, if the kebabs. If you're coming to Fountainhead, yeah, like you got to get the muscles, man. Yeah, yeah the muscles. Uh, with with extra bread. You need lots of bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to a podcast, we get on tangents quite a bit, but I'm going to try to reel it in a little bit here today. Yeah. Um, Callum, like I said, we actually first recorded with you uh, with uh, – Taylor, um, for the Abelauer release of 200 or so bottles of the 15 year 204 204 bottles, yeah. With the um, the case release, they had the party for that. We didn't get a go, unfortunately. I was out of town for work um, for the actual release party, but Megan was like, hey, uh, let's do a podcast about it. We have a new ambassador in town. I'm like, wait. What happened to Alan Clark? Because Alan Clark is my hero. So I don't want to work with anybody else from Abelauer, but it's turned out to be an amazing friendship, even yeah. though you didn't make it to my wedding last summer. Yeah, obviously, the, the wedding still hurts. Um, no, I think, I, you know, I, first off, just congrats to you too, you know, especially you, Jake. I know how much it goes into it, and, like, I know how much you guys have worked on it. I think it's amazing. Um, and I think, part from my perspective, it's been a really good way to just learn more about the city. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went through, last night I went through some of the, when I got home, I went through some of the episodes of, that we've done, um, and the ones that were done, like, when I wasn't even in Chicago, um, and just looking at some of the guests that you guys have had on, it's, it's amazing. You it know? is weird, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was thinking, I was looking back, and one of my favorite episodes that we've done was with Mike Moreno, you know, of, uh, down there in, in Moreno's Liquors, and obviously in Osito's Tap. And I was just thinking, the amount of people that we've had on this podcast that have got so much to give to the industry, not just in Chicago, but mm. Mike Moreno was talking about how there's people all over the world yeah. that that you know are come to Chicago to look for like to look through his selection you right. know um, and it's just amazing to have that reach in a podcast that you know you guys did on a whim you Pretty know much, and we're yeah. at 100 episodes you know and we've had some amazing guests on so yeah. you know massive congratulations from from my perspective um, and it's Honestly, it's genuinely a privilege to be a part of it. So thanks Thank so you. much well, for having me And something on else so that often. you guys have done too is really bringing in, talking about the whiskey community uh, along and then translates that into the band. The... And Callum unplugged the microphone right here. But now we're back. Some brand management um, for Lewis Glunt's uh, beer, independent wholesaler in Chicago for 132 years at this point. Lovely. It's uh, a long fucking time. It is. It is a long time. And mics are back up. In this wave of consolidation that's going on uh, amongst distributors, uh, to still have that sort of longevity is almost almost unheard of. Um, but prior to that, I had stumbled around uh, working as a bartender in Sweden with family, and when I was living there, and um, little bits of brewing or just things back and forth whilst trying to figure out where my spot was in this little world. Beautiful. Do you know what we're tasting tonight? Uh, well, I brought a couple of things. It's just yeah. a matter of what Bob decides to to, to pull. Um, having just actually been at Beguiled seemed perhaps Ooh. apropos to bring in a couple of things that okay. uh, right. were hearkening back to that history. Nice. I think that might be what I see Bob pulling out there. Ooh. Um, sounds like it. So uh, one of the questions that we had discussed on one of the first um, podcast that I was on was the, the, the union of the spirits and the beer worlds and how barrel aging's really developed um, the connection that exists there and um, so it seemed like it would be perhaps a, a fun notion to pull in a couple of things there uh, I think the first that we're going to be trying is all gussied up by the looks of it yeah. which is a, uh, a saison uh, Belgian style beer 
that is aged in few whiskey barrels. Few rye barrels or whiskey barrels? Uh, gin, actually, pardon me, gin barrels. Gin barrels. Gin barrels, yes. Um, right. Which is also actually kind of a, an impetus to tag on that thread a little bit, since as much as we've talked about uh, brown spirits, I don't know that we really talked as much about white wait, spirits. Wait, so, so this is... Sorry, go on and repeat that. I was, right. I was mid. Uh, it's, a, it's an imperial gin barrel-aged saison uh, using few casks and then uh, ramped up to 10%. They are, I believe, using a, a base beer that is a fair bit not quite as strong as that. So uh, I'll f a lot of what we're going to be tasting um, might just be from a wet cask. We'll I, see. Oh, I actually got to try this the other day. You in, did? In right. Beguile, and it's... Magnificent. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear Strong, that. though. Yeah, <laughs> cheers. Cheers, guys. Salud. Cheers to you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers, Thank you. Cheers, boys. Mm. Oh. I hope everybody had something to eat today. I hope so, too. <laughs> um, Shit. Yeah, to get back to Beguile, too, um, our relationship with Beguile began um, for Wilson and I. Wilson and I started working together at Koval Distillery here in Chicago, which is just down the street uh, from Fountainhead here in Ravenswood neighborhood of Chicago and we started going to Beguile on Fridays and then maybe a Thursday afternoon too here and there and then yeah. but always a Friday lunch and a Friday drink after uh, after work as well um, and we just got re be really good friends and doing partnerships with everybody over at Beguile and that relationship has carried on ever since we uh, moved on from Koval and sure. started with our new distilleries but we're always such great fans of what they did in their barrel age program for me who's a beer novice I guess compared to whiskey um, tasting uh, one of the best um, barrel age programs out there. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And you were an early adopter in that sense. Uh, not that they weren't doing barrel aging beforehand, uh, but uh, for quite some time, a lot of people were just thinking of Goose Island and then latterly Revolution and others like True. that for barrel aging. But yeah. Big Al's been doing it for a good number of years at this point. And uh, last year won a gold medal at the Great American Beer Festival for mm -hmm. one of their stouts. Uh, this is one of the most competitive and certainly hyped categories right um so it's great kudos for them and good to see that they continue to branch out and uh or rather repeat uh, some of those lighter expressions if a 10 percent barrel h saison can be considered a lighter expression <laughs> it is little but yeah. having tasted also some of um some of the spirits that 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 you've brought to the table uh mm -hmm. something like this seemed it had some of those those crossover appeal elements and that and mm. some of the conversations we've had before as well is how can you bring new people to the category, new people to the fold? Mm -hmm. And as much as there are the beer people who are just constantly going to be chasing those massive, really sticky adjunct stouts, uh, there's a completely different world. And this is an expression of that. Yeah. Which, I mean, obviously the whiskey world is so ever-changing and so different. Um, even though Callum thinks that every bourbon tastes the same, but... I have <laughs> never said that. <laughs> Urban bourbonists don't believe a word of that. Uh, no, it's... Uh, I mean, this is amazing. I get like a lot of like white raisin kind of taste to yeah. it in a way. Certainly, and candied yes. lemon yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, this would be a really nice um, pairing with a little twofold. We have a we have a quick question. Just yeah. to repeat the name of the beer, please, ah, Simon. All gussied up all is the name of the beer. All yeah. gussied up by Beguile Brewing. Four pack, twelve ounce bottles available for purchase from the from the Sweet. brewery itself. Also, another place when you come to Chicago once we start traveling again, make sure to drop by there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I mean, I appreciate your your comment as well on the pairing, since that was yeah another thread we've talked about is where those pairings can be done and wanting to dive more into that as a topic for. 
Perhaps I, episode 200. Absolutely. <laughs> well, episode 101. 101. Um, well, actually, this, we're ending the podcast tonight. This is the last one. I didn't tell you guys that beforehand, but we're hitting 100, and we're calling it quits. All right. Reached a milestone. Sit, I, up, sit uh, upon it. After some, uh, love it. some editing and volume and losing of audio <laughs> file issues last week, I was like, all right, we've recorded 99. I'm done. I hate this. No more anymore of this. <laughs> Put my computer across the floor, across the room. I'm like, we're done. We hit 99, and we're just going to end it there. I guess it's too hi-fi now. I'll go back to just putting one phone in the middle of the table. And yeah, might as well. It'd be so much it. easier. Well, I used to do that as a backup, and then the one time I didn't, the first time I lost an audio file was that first time I did not put it, my phone in there as a backup. Of course. So. Uh, one thing I've been curious about, I mean, yeah. you, you've, you've all spoken a bit to, to the background that brought you here. Uh, what was your background in sound engineering or mm. management that gave you the skill sets to, to, mm. to work mm. with this? Mm. So well. I can immediately answer that. <laughs> that. Does that mean zero? That means I what, have what zero. What was the broadcasting courses that you guys did? <laughs> no <laughs> broadcasting courses. AV, O-U-T, because I don't have any of those. Um, I'm more of a delegator, so... He does it all. I just show up. So that's my management. Style. I assumed as much. I yeah, took so a like two broadcasting classes in journalism <laughs> school. I, as I was shit. a magazine journalism writer um, in college. <laughs> and I, we worked with GarageBand, which I still record on. And I was just so pleasant to see uh, a year and a half ago. And I was like, yeah, we should do a podcast. And I opened GarageBand for the first time in eight and a half, nine years that uh, nothing's changed at all. So that's great. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to fa- follow along with it that way, but at the same time, a lot of problems with it. That, so. that might, that might be why we've had so many yeah. problems because it hasn't changed in nine years. <laughs> yeah. Which actually probably more than that, to be honest with you. When did I graduate college? 2009? No, Bronze age? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're talking about like 12, 13 there. years. Um, well, and computers were just powered by pedals. Right, right. right exactly. Yeah. So uh, a lot, mm-hmm. basically. Um, yeah. Callum did a dissertation on, languages one time i i studied linguistics yes. so i also I, I used to work with um uh sound recording and everything in university because i did interpretation oh. well, i didn't know you actually did i was just well so I, I i but but the thing is he's like, still making this up the th- yeah. the, no 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 <laughs> yeah i never went to university <laughs> <laughs> no um i did a little bit of sound recording and stuff at uni but not to any degree like this so i think jake has just been learning it on the fly pretty much just uh, uh looked at some youtube videos and I have some musician friends that I used to like help record things with right. back in the day, and that day was 12, 13 years ago. So, mm. you know, it stays right up there with you. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd think it'd be so easy to plug in a few microphones and just hit record, but apparently it's not. No. It's not that yeah. easy. It's but um, easy. are we trying another beer, Bob? We are, I think, trying another beer, yeah. But this is delicious. Um, I'm so glad that we did start it with Beguile because they're near and dear to our hearts. Um, Kevin says hello. And also with Few, who is a local distillery here in Chicago. Shout out to Paul and everything. Yeah, yeah they were Big some Mike. of the first to really be doing it in Chicago, weren't right. they? Yeah. Especially the, um, in the early adoption of barrel-aged gin. I feel like the Chicago distilleries are right on that. Mm-hmm. I know Citadel over in France is kind of known as the originator of barrel-aging their gin, but... I mean, it wasn't much long after that uh, Robert and Sonnet over at Cobol started doing it. Paul started doing it as well. And now it's become kind of a staple for almost craft, every craft distillery. It's like, well, we got to put some gin and some vodka out there. Why not throw it in some barrels for a few months and see how it tastes see if it compares to our whiskey? Yeah. Do you think that that's something that radiated back from the beer movement then? Hmm. Well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's possible in that sense. Um, I mean, th- th- we had a couple of projects that we actually – we distilled beer into whiskey, right. so right. I mean, right. we've had those projects um, that um, we didn't oversee, but we were a part of, and we sold and did really well. 
and every once in a while we'll get an email or a call I remember that's hey where can we find uh, this or that and we're just like shit that was like a one time thing so there is a lot of cool things that are happening in whiskey to this in this day as 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 they are in beer that I feel you know, I was going to ask you Samu how do you see that happening you know Glunz is a beer distributor for the most part 100% of a part so how do you see beer distributors maybe getting into the whiskey game and maybe selling you know spirits in a sense in a way where they can accompany a beer or whatnot that's a a good question Uh, and some have tried Um, Mm -hmm. you're I think much more likely to see distributors do wine and spirits together than you are to see them effectively do beer and spirits together mm-hmm. uh, and there are also some that have just recently kind of gotten out of the game at least here in Chicago yeah. uh, there were two distributors that were crossing the stream so to speak and um, not that this is why they went out of business so to speak but um, nonetheless it's true uh, breakthrough which does in other states very successfully mm, cross all of those different categories uh, no longer exists, having sold their portfolio of beer specifically to Lakeshore. Right. Uh, and on sort of the reverse of proportion, Windy City uh, absorbed into the bosom of the Reyes organization, one of the largest companies, not even just alcohol distributors, but companies in the private companies in the, in the country, mm-hmm. um, is now fully subsumed into um, CBS, uh, mm-hmm. that Miller cluster. But I think it, it becomes very difficult because of the nature of the techniques that can be used but honestly most specifically I think a lot of it has to do with compensation and how you pay your people Mm. Uh, I'm sure Bob can attest to this as well Uh, if you have someone who is um, really heavily incentivized to move these high volume high profit spirits cases with a lot of marketing dollars behind them Mm -hmm. what interest are they going to have in uh, the denim clad scruffy brewer down the street and anything other than just a friendly chummy sort of circumstance it's not it's not writing their paychecks i guess is what right I'll say. That's i have a, I have a question oh, yeah. from uh just add whiskey Ooh. good job big man <laughs> he says the gin right. is it just barrel aged or is it full-on old tom uh, i believe it is just barrel aged i don't believe it's an old tom uh mm-hmm. but i could be mistaken in that respect it, uh, in which case then please paul call me out good question yeah that's uh, a good one. so uh, your response prompted another question in yeah. my mind how what are your what are your thoughts about breweries now crossing over and opening distilleries within their brewery? Uh, generally Trying poor. Trying hand at that. Generally poor is generally my thought. Uh, but it's not because I think it's a bad idea. I think it can be a great idea. There's a, such a natural harmony between yeah, correct, yeah. these elements. Processes and, a lot of the, and whatnot. Exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just the results rarely seem to stand out. Um, it can require a completely different... Um, palette or right. mindset or timeline and a lot of breweries are trying to respond to things on a weekly basis and just looking at people's reviews on things as they release the day of on untapped gotcha. and then saying all right how can i notch this rating up a little bit by tweaking the hop as yeah. opposed to saying well i've got uh five years so <laughs> let's just be patient um and some of those that have done it well have identified entirely different uh, staff sets gotcha. to be handling that. We've spoken about Maplewood, for instance. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and at this point... Coming on soon. He is. Yes. Good, finally. Yes. We've set it up at Oktoberfest here at Fountainhead on October 23rd? Outstanding. Yes. We've certainly poked so, him enough to make right. that happen. 
We are um, setting it up now. But uh, Ori, um, having started working very heavily in the beer side, mm-hmm. now is not very heavily in the beer side. Um, certainly, of course, still very involved in so many aspects of what that company does. But mm-hmm. uh, the number of times I've been there and he's walked into the back and sort of said, oh, what, what are you guys brewing today? And then we'll just <laughs> wander over and work on the spirit. Great. Um, so as you separate those skill sets, it might, add, it might make it more efficient than trying to wear multiple hats at the same time. Cool. Awesome. What's the taste that we got next? Right. So next up, uh, barrel-aged snooze button. Um, oh. Those of you out in the world, you can see this. Also beguile. Uh, also beguile, indeed. Um, this is bringing bourbon into the play. Um, this go. is one of their um, big stouts. And yes. uh, this spans about, I think, around 10 months yeah. in Buffalo Trace casks. Yep. Um, the 2020 release, um, this is not the beer that they won at Great American Beer Festival with, but it is nonetheless a winner and seemed to be an appropriate and for all of you Beam fans out there, uh, they oh, wow. do have Booker's Cast that they are barrel-aging beer with now, too. Mm-hmm. So watch out for that as it comes out, um, those individual casts. We've already told uh, Kevin that I'm buying one of those casts as soon as he's done with, with it. Yeah, it's for a little what, uh, what is the house display. What is the really kind of overarching nose I get on that, Samu? Is that just the hops? or No, in something like this, hops are sort of a, a distant... Uh, a distant note. A distant memory. A dis- yes, <laughs> uh, a faint recollection. Um, also a good band name. The, the yes. B- yeah, I think so. A good retrospective as mm. well. Yeah. Uh, but um, in, in this base beer, um, so much of what you're looking for are uh, notes of uh, toast, espresso, uh, plum, fig, dark fruits, a lot of dark fruits. You, have you ever heard of Marmite? Uh, certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I oh get yeah. like a marmite on the nose. I can so I can see right. that as well. Yep. Yeah, like really like that kind of marmite. You know, love it or hate it. Yep. You know, back I'm home, back home in the UK, people are so obsessed with marmite that they actually use it to describe people. You know, if someone's abrasive, you either love them or you hate them. Ah, it's a common thing to say. He's marmite. You know, like yeah. you're, you're right. either going to get along with him and love him, and much like us three, I think. <laughs> <laughs> much like this podcast. No. <laughs> I think maybe True. where that comes from is. Uh, at least if I'm recollecting that flavor correctly, is sort of this 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 hybrid of um, it to me it reminds almost like a, a combination of licorice fig and then this slight vegetal almost briny tone. Yeah, vegetal. Right. Yeah, I get a lot of that. And yeah. I think this pushing those dark fruits and the 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 high residual sugar of the base beer, and then mixing in some of the little peppery aspects that come from the cask. Yeah. Um, that combination and some of what creates that texture if you can bring it back to australia it's a little bit of vegemite having some crackers ah, with okay. it and, uh, uh, i'm sure kevin was really thinking vegemite and marmite he was he was he told me he told me you know what you know what's funny you know what's funny is you do before. get you get uh, or for me the, the first when i noticed that i was like what is that what is that reminding mm. me of and it was marmite yeah. but on the when you taste it that briny vegetal right. doesn't really it's not doesn't come right. so much to the fore it's like almost like a sweetness there what the fuck is marmite <laughs> um, marmite is like a, I don't even know it's like a like veg it's a, 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 a spread shit. it's a spread that right. you put on sandwiches like and Vegemite? toast sort of it's, it's simil- yeah. similar flavor but marmite's a little stronger yeah. flavor yeah. and that that nose that right there that's what do you yes, know what, what I'll buy you uh, next time I'm in Scotland I'll no, bring no, some no, marmite no, back there's it. marmite next door at the uh, yeah. Irish shop at Celtic uh, really? yeah there you go we're coming to you next Celtica yeah they have some down there I have another question if, yeah. yeah. So, Just Add Whiskey once again has said, talking of saisons, uh-huh. 
if we get back to that, what do y'all what do y'all think about Chicago's up and coming mixed fermentation brewers? Keeping together and uh-huh. is was, uh-huh. for example. Sure. Uh, I appreciate that question as well, since it's as much as Chicago has done within beer in the last uh, well, decades. I mean there are some some true legacy hist- historical breweries here that really paved the way for a lot of the newcomers. But one of the things uh, ten years is when exactly, exactly. In the last ten years. Yeah, when the growth has really exploded to the point where it's the most most uh, breweries in pretty much any metropolitan area in the country. Um, but one of the things that was really missing during that time frame was a quality scene for mixed culture um, fermentation. And by that meaning beers that are neither uh, spontaneously fermented nor uh, entirely pitched yeast, but rather that will create a combination of this experience, ah, uh, namely to draw a lot of unique acidity and uh, generally dry in the Belgian-ish sort of world. Um, and in, uh, within the last probably three years, uh, a number of breweries have begun to explore that more. Certainly Off Color was an early leader there. A um, lot of experimentation, but it wasn't a major part of the market that their fan base was aware of. Mm. Um, so keeping together uh, high marks, uh, both just personally for me, but also in the way it's been received. Uh, Avery Swanson former um, brewmaster at Jester King, uh, one of my favorite breweries on the planet. Um, it brings a lot of credentials and expertise and know-how to that, um, that program that she's running, I believe still out of the half acre space. And they themselves have also played quite a lot in that new world and done a pretty sound job, I would say. Um, is was, um, I've had less from them, but appreciate uh, his commitment to working with different kinds of Britannomyces. Um, just a wild yeast that a lot of brewers do not want to truck with at all. A lot of people just in alcohol in general. You get Brett in and you might as well just burn it all down. Um, but uh, low alcohol table beers there as well. Um, so it seems that people are becoming more aware of it. Um, but I'm not seeing enough really call for it yet to really flesh out the movement. It's mostly in um, geeky small bottle trading sets. Okay. Uh, but there's a lot of room left to grow there for sure. Sounds like a whole new conversation to have. Yeah, uh, certainly. We only have a few more, about 20 more minutes on our live. So I will say uh, thank you to Samu for sharing everything with that. And so we can bring in another yeah, another guest. So uh, Samu, Samu Rana, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Samu. Uh, and great like questions and great beer. And thank you so much. So uh, another person that's helped, I think, grow the podcast a lot, um, responsible for that online presence um, for us is Chris Blantner, who is the Urban Bourbonist on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Chris kind of started his whole thing um, about, you know, the same time we did, um, kind of about, yeah, a little over a year ago. Chicago's very own Benjamin Button. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Him and his wife both. Him and his wife are both ageless. You look at them and you think, 25. Mm. Um, <laughs> but we had Chris on back last DJ. August, I believe, was the first time Chris came on. And What's ever that? since then, I feel like we kind of revisit each other about once every 10 episodes or so, if not, if not less. Yes. But uh, it's been a, a great friendship to have. And, um, you know, I think I we owe a lot to you, too, with like saying like, hey, Keen likes cool podcast. Check out in the whiskey world and you know, people that you interact with, people that you follow, people that follow you have come over to our side now. So, Chris, thank you, and welcome to the live and the podcast yes. once again. Well, thank you very much for um, for having me. And nice uh, haircut, by the way. Oh, thank you. I, I got it cut. Um, <laughs> you got your main cut. Uh, uh, congratulations for 100 episodes. I mean, <laughs> truly, uh, 
incredible to to record that many episodes <laughs> yeah. over the course of a year a year and a half yeah, yeah i mean that's a lot that's that's a lot, that's a lot. like i have trouble doing like uh one a month or, or you know a couple a month um so very dedicated which is very cool thank you yeah uh, that's all on jake like i said i just show up <laughs> so, yeah. uh it was an idea and enough people we've uh, coaxed into talking to us <laughs> so over, over the last year and a half so you're one of them so fool i guess you are um, but yeah, no, appreciate that. Uh, Chris, uh, you've done some awesome stuff online when it comes to the Urban Bourbonist uh, page, but also with Sunday Night Fights and the Urban Bourbon Hour when you interview all these amazing distillers from across, uh, across you know, is, have you done international yet or mostly just here um, in the States? Nobody international yet. Yeah, just all here within the States. Okay. Um, and I do have to credit um, you guys as an inspiration for for doing that and for sort of giving, like helping me, like, find my voice. Mm. So I really do credit you guys and this podcast for, for, you know, the, the ideas and, and just the, the encouragement to kind of go out and do it. Oh, so yeah. well, no, I mean, I still, all of your ideas online, whatever you do, I just do the same <laughs> thing. So, uh, just kind of keep going with it that way. So <laughs> encouragement, I will say, uh, yeah, we got, we we're, we're, we're ambitious. But um, yeah. the idea is we just, we just steal yeah. it all from you. Yeah. So, Chris, you're getting a lot of love out here. Yeah. Um, obviously, your wife's up in there. Oh, oh very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Blatner, thanks for your love. Shout out to DJ. Um, the, 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 the female version of Benjamin Button in Chicago. <laughs> um, and then also, Bourbon Librarian has said, mm. I hope Chris has overhauled or overholt with oh. Oh, and right here, it. right here, Bourbon Librarian, we're about to get rocking and rolling. I'm, gla- yeah. I'm glad to Bourbon Librarian as well that your three-year-old didn't hold you up and you can make it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, Chris, tell us what we're drinking. All right. So this is the uh, latest release from Jim Beam. And this is the mm, part of the uh, new kind of revamped uh, old Overholt lineup that's kind of in the process of kind of being remade by Jim Beam. Um, this currently is um, an Ohio-only release. Right. Uh, will be Pennsylvania next. And apparently there is a plan for a national release on this, but um, haven't seen too much about that. So Ohio and Pennsylvania, I reached out to some uh, friends in Ohio to uh, get a few of these bottles. So this is the first bottle that I've opened. It's opened about... 10 days ago, and we're going to kill it here tonight. Well, so hey! hey. Um, Hold on, excuse me? <laughs> like I said, I, have I hope w- you've all eaten something. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to work tomorrow, guys. There's, there's not much left in here, tomorrow, so it shouldn't, it shouldn't take too much. But I'm, I'm calling so, to only, so it's only available in Ohio and Pennsylvania? Yes, yeah, so Ohio and Pennsylvania Ohio right now. Right yeah. now um, to pay homage, right? To, to pay homage yeah. to kind of the, the roots the of, of, of uh, the brand and of rye whiskey. Rye whiskey, correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially in Pennsylvania and, and ties to Ohio. Yeah. I have no problem with Pennsylvania. It's fucking yeah. Ohio that I have a problem with. Why? Do you, what's <laughs> your, why? Why? Yeah, why? Just, why? I don't like Buckeyes. O-H. Oh, Fuck you. Stop. Go Hawks. Stop. Hey, I'm an Iowa fan. It's okay. Don't yeah. worry about it. No, you are an Ooh. Iowa fan. Iowa I W-A. Yeah. Um, well, Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Oh, that's a good one. So I think when you taste this, does not drink at 114 oh. proof, I don't think at all. Shit. Like, oh, my. Way, 114 proof? We're in trouble tonight, guys. Yeah. Wow. This is wow. way lighter than 114. It's much lighter than And I find this to be like Shit. rip beer. It, it tastes, yeah, like, it tastes yeah. like rip beer. 
I mean, yeah. it is it's got that sarsaparilla, deep root beer, really sarsaparilla sweet sure. kind of flavor to it. Getting sassy with the sarsaparilla. I, I love it. I almost, sassafras. Yeah, sassafras. I almost wouldn't. I almost don't know if I blinded this, if I would be able to say this is no. a rye whiskey. I was going to say the same thing. Because I mean, of the sweetness? A high it? bourbon rye. Yeah, yeah, it's very sweet. Um, being being Jim Beam, it's you know they don't they don't disclose the mash bill, but it's probably fifty one, maybe fifty three percent. And there's a little rye. bit of that, that nut note there too. There's a little nuttiness to it. Yeah. That Classic that comes with all nut. the Beam products. Yeah. Um, but I just think this is sort of like a, this is Jim Beam like flexing their muscle, like yeah. we can put out a one hundred and fourteen proof um, rye whiskey for thirty dollars. Yeah. For thirty dollars, and it's age stated at four years, but um, I have a friend who talked to somebody at Jim Beam, and there is older whiskey in this. Of course, with Jim Beam, they just, you know, they're they're putting up to six year uh, whiskey in this product. Um, so you're getting this really, I think, deep flavor. Oh yeah, really nice proof point on this, which you can't you can't taste that mm. it's one fourteen, and it's just I feel like this like changes the game for. The, the lower priced whiskeys, especially if this becomes a national release, like look out, like this is, this is um, a whiskey that a bar or a restaurant could use in cocktails Stop. because it's so, right, it's sh- so cheap. Man. You're hurting us. I just, I just lost my fucking All business. three of All, us. Oh yeah. I just lost my cocktail placement. <laughs> Who invited this guy on? Sorry guys. I sold whiskey for $30 as well. Damn it. God. Screwed again. My wife wins again. (laughs) 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 This is this is a a root beer float. Is it fair to say? uh, I would say um, people here have had a lot of the new Beam products this year. Whereas um, when it comes to certain brands like your Sazerac or whatever, Beam, other than excluding Booker's, which has gone up in price now, um, Baker's thirteen. They've said, we're going to come right into the market where everybody feels comfortable spending a, a, a soft amount of money, a right amount of money, and release some really great products this year. Yeah, they're just... And they, have, they, have they won the year? You know? And yeah. I mean... This is the, I think you're setting me up for this I right might now. be. This I might is, be. This is, uh, this is definitely the year of Beam, and... Um, if if we could elect Beam for president, I think we would all we would all vote that way. Uh, that's not a political statement. Um, it's just a, a whiskey statement. Um, right. It, it, but it is it is really just incredible to see. Like you see in some of their other products, oh, like Knob Creek has come back with a nine year age statement mm-hmm. on it, and it seems like it's going to stay that way for for a long time. We'll see like what else happens with. Uh, some of their other rye whiskeys, maybe uh, Knob Creek rye comes back with an age statement. I don't know, but it, it's just interesting that they're able to put out stuff like this or yeah. To, yeah. to put out the age statement on Knob Creek or to just do all the things they're doing, put out a 13-year-old Baker's. Mm. Um, and when they revamped that lineup, they came out, they were releasing nine-year single barrels for right. the Baker's seven-year age-stated product, but on the neck label, you'd see nine years. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, man, they, they've got some stuff out, you know, sitting back that they can just release, and then the prices they release it at, it's yeah. just amazing. I think I've told it on this podcast maybe once or twice, so excuse me if you're a listener, but uh, my grandfather worked at Jim Beam, and when Baker started coming up with the idea of his whiskey, he was talking to my grandpa um, about the age statement, and he said, 
uh, all, my, my grandpa asked Baker straight up, said, why six years on your whiskey? Why is that the best age? And he goes, after six years, it's the best flavors you get for, for a whiskey inside of Kentucky. And he's like, oh, great. And then a year or so later, Baker's comes out, and it's a seven-year-old statement on the, la- on the label. And my grandpa went back to Baker and asked, so why'd you go with seven? He goes, well, if six is the best, seven has to be better. <laughs> I love I mean, that. It's only logical. Yeah. So um, that's kind of where it stands there. Uh, but I, you know, I'm beam is near and dear to my heart as well. And I think I'm having problems in my life because um, I had a nightmare last night. And usually people have nightmares about monsters or being chased or a shot, something bad happening to them. My nightmare was that my two autographed bottles of uh, be- uh, Booker's, one by uh, Fred No, which still is filled with the juice inside from 2004, and one from Booker himself in 2004, which is empty, were stolen off my whiskey shelf. And I knew, <laughs> I knew who did it, but we had to go on an adventure, Cousin Pete and I did, <laughs> uh, to figure out uh, who, wh- wh- what, what she, I know, well, I knew what she'd do with them. And I'm pretty sure it was the brand ambassador, uh, a band ambassador at Beam who was the culprit that I, like, no, I'm like, oh man, I'm drinking too much whiskey, spending too much si- time inside of this industry. And it might've been the Taco Bell I had last night at midnight with Callum. I don't know. Oh, I don't you know. guys had Taco Bell last night? I, yes. Oh, I love I, yes. I'm sorry. Did you guys get the 12 pack? No, I was, my, I was honestly, my arm was twisted. It's true. By I three ladies. Wait a minute. Yeah. Who twisted your arm? To three young women. No, the actually. Producer. I didn't drink. I, I didn't eat, actually. Jake's I drank, wife. but yes. Did not eat. Jake's oh, wife. Oh, okay. And then a French woman. A French woman, yeah. And a Chicago lady. Another Chicago lady, so. It's true. It's I had true. no chance. You know, no the one, way no you described it, it, doesn't, it doesn't sound like a late night Taco Bell run. It wasn't that late. It sounds like something else. Well, I'm not going to go there, It though, was like you know. 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I went back home, had a Cliff Bar, and got the spirits ready to drink. Cliff Bar. And watched the Lakers win, baby. Ooh. <laughs> We're going back to the finals. <laughs> No? <laughs> Any fan? No? No. Like yeah, yeah, big, no, big, big, not big, 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 I know where my allegiance stands. Where's the which Knob Creek are you using? Uh, we're using the 100 proof uh, Knob Creek Knob Rye. Creek. Um, pretty fair matchup in terms of proof point, in terms of age. Uh, the Whistle Pig piggyback is age dated at six years, but there is older whiskey in there. I think up to eight years. Okay. But of course, with Jim Beam. Um, it's not an age dated product, but there is uh, rumor is there is five all the way up to possibly eight-year whiskey in their rye as well. Who do you wow. hear these rumors from? Uh, this is from uh, <laughs> research. Who are your sources? This is research uh, online. Taylor um, Cope. I blame Taylor Cope. The, the Whistle Pig is, is it's pretty out there um, that, that it's six-year, but there is older whiskey in there. And they're actually sourcing from a Beam Suntory uh, company. Uh, in Canada. Right. That's right. They're uh, sourcing from Alberta Distillers, uh, which is owned by Beam Suntory, which is which is interesting that it's, you know, a Beam company that Whistlepig is sourcing from, and then Knob Creek, of course, is right. a Jim Beam, a Beam Suntory company yeah. as well. When my wife saw your post of what you were doing this week, she's like, that is kind of weird. She brought up that point of like, huh, 
It's kind of like beam versus beam. Yeah, it is yeah. kind of in a way. Yeah, it is. It when, really is. And also part of it is the uh, social media marketing team, when they started noticing the beam stickers, she's like, hey, where did these start from? I'm like, oh, from Chris. She's like, Bletner? I'm like, absolutely. She's like, well, I need some. I'm like, well, here you go. Well, I have I an extra. Give, I've got plenty more I so, can give you. So Beam does notice now. Oh, well, yeah. good, good. Yeah, I awesome. actually had a Beam, uh, the sales rep that handles the state of Kentucky, reach out to me and said, just sent me a message that said, send me 100. And I was like, I don't know who this is. So <laughs> I was just like, I can't just send you 100, but I, I'll be happy to send you, you know, a, a bunch. And then he kind of dropped off. Uh, the face of the earth and never heard from him again so well hopefully he's listening. Me yeah. yeah maybe he's three. listening tonight give me a call back later with yeah. this year um obviously um there's more important things happening than whiskey releases and us tasting whiskey and going to whiskey bars and having great pours but is there something that even with all the turmoil going on that you still want to see out of the last three or four months that are coming here with distilleries any releases or anything like that um i'm definitely i'm definitely interested in you know i've i've proclaimed my uh, fondness for, for Jim Beam. So there is another product coming out under the old Overholt label. Yeah, It's going to be an 11-year age-stated old Overholt at like 94 or 96 proof. Um, if I didn't get anything else but that, I'd be oh, I would be happy. I mean, I'll make that I'd, happen. You know, nothing else and just that. That that would be, I would, I would love to have that <laughs> bottle. I think that this at 11 years could be crazy crazy complex okay. and who knows what would be going on in that whiskey so i, I would love to taste that great calm any questions online um no but we're getting a lot of love for um the urban <laughs> bourbonist we're getting a lot of love for beam for president <laughs> a um, lot of people reached out for those stickers so a lot of people around the country got those apparently Beautiful. apparently taco bell at midnight isn't that late of a time to get taco bell <laughs> Uh, we're get, yeah, there's we're a lot. Losers. There's a lot going on. We're, and we're then just that whiskey said it's always a French woman, and he's right. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah, so get you. It is always a French woman. It is um, a game, right? And then Bourbon Librarian, <laughs> Bourbon, Bourbon Librarian said, uh, "Be curious to see Overholt versus Granddad." Oh, oh. that would be that would, oh, be, a good that would actually be so. Good yeah, that yeah. might be an idea for you yeah. coming up. Do you yeah. ever fear that when you if you did two Beam products that people would think that Beam is sponsoring that event? <laughs> Well, I think people think that anyway because yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. we because have, you've made uh, Beam for President stickers. <laughs> <laughs> that and so I was going to see if you want to do a twofold in, uh, Nova night, but you know, whatever. I'm, yeah, jo- we can I'm joking. Do that. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> the reason people think that, like, so I, of course, like Jim Beam. It's it's one of those products that hits my palate just in all the right ways. And the, um, my friend Mikey, who I do Sunday night fights shout with at uh, yeah, at the Bourbon and Rye out. Club on Instagram. He's a big Jim Beam fan too, and we we do not hide that fact. We are not sponsored by Jim Beam. Um, if they want to sponsor us, they can. I've been asked multiple but, times if Jim if Mikey works for Jim Beam. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the the reason people think that is because we've done so many Sunday night fights with a Jim Beam product. Uh-huh. But the reason for that is is they have something uh, across the line. For whether everyone. yeah, they have something for everyone. And anytime we're looking to do. Uh, a matchup like Jim Beam has a product that fits right. the fight that we want to do. We have many times like said to ourselves, we cannot do a Jim Beam <laughs> like in this fight. We need to find we need to find something else, and we have. But there's two distilleries. It's Jim Beam and Wild Turkey that really have mm. something in like every single expression that you can think of. Like 
Jim Beam has it for sure. Okay. And the other distillery that probably has it is Wild Turkey. Right. And it's it's just because they're ma- they're you know they're mammoth yeah. uh, distilleries and Wilson, they've been around forever. Yeah, I mean I can speak to that personally with Wilson and I and Bob, who's manning the camera right now, doing a great job. <laughs> we had a, a, you know, a master class in here with uh, Jimmy Russell back last August. And, you know, you have all the wild turkeys and the Russell set out there. And you have everything. It's a, a price point. It's affordable. Great juice inside. Um, tastes really good in a cocktail if you want to go that way, too. But just to enjoy it neat or on the rocks, like, nothing better than that. You're not, you're not busting the bank to get it. Yeah. And they're, they're another one of those brands that if they wanted to, they could pull what Jim Beam is doing and just start releasing – well-aged uh, products uh, across the line at at super you know value prices and I just saw a label that they're gonna be releasing soon a 13 year Russell's reserve, Russell's reserve. Yeah. yeah and That's they're gonna, gonna awesome. come in and they're gonna flex on that they're gonna drop that at a hundred Mr. Russell bucks. welcome to the podcast he's you bringing know, it yeah. out for us <laughs> yeah I mean they're gonna drop that at under a hundred dollars and be like we just dropped a 13 year cask strength bourbon on you and it's under $100. I don't know for sure that it's going to be under $100. I'm just thinking that, like, they're going to just come out and just be like, guess what? We're, we're Russells. We're wild turkey. We can do this. Yeah. And we're going to. Great. And, and, and it would be huge for their fans. Question. Yes. Talking about cocktails. Mm. What's your ideal? So this is from Just Add Whiskey. This guy, Just Add Whiskey, just he's, add whiskey. He's, writing, he's writing about it. Give him so, a T-shirt. Um, you're getting yeah. a t-shirt, 100%. Hopefully you're in the mainland of the United States. Um, <laughs> and hopefully you're not using a P.O. box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, too, we'll be announcing the winner of the grand prize of the 100 episode tomorrow morning when this podcast is released. So uh, entries are closed at 6 p.m., but we do have a very, 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 very special gift um, Bob has given us from Fountainhead. So uh, the winner, you will be extra, extra happy. I can guarantee that. Um, and he said, what's everybody's favorite rye for a cocktail right now? Oh. Hmm. We'll be quick, guys. we got about four or five minutes till the sure. live end. For any cocktail or specific? Any cocktail. Talk about your favorite cocktail with a favorite rye. With a rye, correct? Favorite rye for cocktails. Favorite mm-hmm. rye yeah. for cocktails. Favorite rye for cocktails. Favorite rye for a cocktail. You want to go, Wilson? I'm, you know, I... <laughs> I don't know where he's going. You know, I'm going to call I'm going to call it out. I'm going to say Union Horse. You know, I th- I think I feel our rise in general are just superb, and they show through even at you know 93 proof show through, and even at the 112 batch strength that we have shows through nicely. But if I had to go away from that, which for sake of the co- podcast, I will. Can I guess? Um, yeah, guess. Second more rye? No. Oh. No. No. I would I would um, I would go with um, the Pinhook uh, Right Humor. Oh. God damn it. I should have known. Yeah. Totally, totally stole it out of my yeah. mouth. Yeah, the, the, the pinhook rye. I believe that was quoted as, it's a romantic love-making rye. It's a, rom- a love-making rye. Absolutely. <laughs> it and is. I think it shows through well by itself, as we've all experienced. Yes, and then, yes, yes. And a cocktail, whether it's an old-fashioned or a Manhattan or a black Manhattan. In fact, I made a, a what I call a hell raisin last night with it, and it was outstanding. Great. So. Uh, Callum, how about you? Uh, yeah, the pinhook is phenomenal and every time we go back to it you know i'm super chuffed to do it uh, although to be honest i haven't tried a lot of rye whiskeys in cocktails okay. um there's definitely something about though like a rye old-fashioned but i can't i can't pinpoint any whiskeys that like i would be able to say oh i, I remember that specifically in that cocktail yeah. 
um, and I don't want to make something up because <laughs> if people will see through it if I'm like, I would love a whiskey sour with pinhead rye, um, which they're going to be like, no, you wouldn't. Uh, so yeah, that for me, for me, the pinhead rye, you know, it's it's my favorite rye, and I'd love to chuck it into into some kind of cocktail. I think it's great. Um, since Pinhook and Union Horse have mm. already been said, I will say there's a new one in the game, and it's Chattanooga Whiskey has come out oh with yeah. a new rye. Mm. It's 99 proof. Just it's at Chicago, right? They're they're like just coming just to, Chicago to Chicago now. Chicago, yeah, or um, yeah, and to, to uh, the entire state. Um, super unique uh, mash bill. They use three di- different types of malted rye mm. in the uh, mash bill, along with corn. I think it's like. 55% total rye in, in the mash bill. Um, super unique, great in a cocktail. Near and near near, to, near and dear to my heart, one of the OG craft distillers here in Illinois, or kind of in Illinois, um, Journeyman Rye, Ravenswood Rye. That was oh, yeah. one of my favorite w- ryes that kind of got me into drinking all of this. Yeah, um, but now it's been renamed. Um, but yeah, guys, we're good. We got about an hour. So I think we're going to keep recording the podcast, but we're going to turn off the live. Hmm. Um, we'll keep recording and drinking um, <laughs> until Chris has Urban <laughs> Brew. Until he, Sunday Night Fights at 8 p.m. But uh, other than that, um, Bob, do you want to jump on and say uh, goodbye real quick? Chris, Thank awesome. you, guys. Yeah. Uh, congrats on 100. And Thank you. Here's to oh, you're not going anywhere. No, I'll and, be But here, you were going to be uh, drinking, yes. but just... Uh, Yes. You're better at this yes. than I am. I'll be in the, uh, <laughs> over there watching. Uh, congrats again, and um, you know, best of luck on the next Cheers. 100 and cool. beyond. Awesome. Cheers. Thank you, Thank you Chris. Cheers, brother. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got a minute left, it looks like. I, is it popped up yet, Chris? Shout out to everyone at IG Graham. That didn't okay. make any sense, IG I think it started at seven or 604, 605, so we're getting, getting there. But Sweet. Well, um, we'll just do our little closing here for the uh, Instagram live people who decided to jump jump on for us and show us that support, which we yeah. uh, more. Thank I mean, you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. We very know much. it's all for Chris, but thank you. Yeah. 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 You know that's thank okay. You. That's yeah, okay. It's all right. Hey, bring along your Riding friends. coattails, baby. Bring along your friends, man. Right on. But I think it does uh, epitomize like this industry in whole in Chicago, where it's not about the individual; it's yeah. about the. Um, the whole community kind of growing together. It's true. I agree with you 100%. And that's what I love about it and how we build community, how we're part of communities and how we stumble across communities. You know, I love it. Right. Everything is, it's, it's, it's a poor way. So it's a, it's not a poor decision to jump on that one, so to speak. I think uh, we started, I started this idea because I wanted to get, we have one minute left, guys. We're going to get the idea out there that there was so much more behind a whiskey bottle and those stories needed to be shared and I'm glad we had the opportunity to do that over 100 episodes Callum Bob you being two guests initially on this and then helping us grow this and being there and supporting us like can't thank you enough and uh, it's been really great it's been awesome to host you guys you guys do a, a lot of great things for the Chicago whiskey community as a whole and bringing people together and then helping people learn things and taste things it's been a, it's been a blast so I'm just happy to be a part of it thank, thank you, you Bob. Guys. thank you Bob Callum um, I'm getting a tattoo well there you go <laughs> I, uh, I'm gonna keen the lake tattoo. I uh, I'm glad I'm not glad that Alan Clark was deported, but I'm glad that you <laughs> replaced him. It's uh, it's been a it's three, ah, um, but it's been a wonderful time. Um, obviously, growing into a great friend, um, colleague, and then also supporter of everything we do here, and always being here for us. I think my wife likes you better than she likes me, but you know that's okay. <laughs> and your dog. <laughs> my dog loves you more than me for sure. Uh, Cheers, guys. Yeah, anybody out there who's ever listened to our podcast, we appreciate it so much. Cheers. Thanks for everything. We'll be out there with a, a, a hundred more episodes probably. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Have a good Cheers. night, guys. Cheers.
And back to the podcast. Uh, yeah, the live is over, and we are going to keep going. We are Ooh, drinking. Scotch. Please, sir. Uh, are we? Did you pour that, Bob? I did. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I, I poured. I, I, th- I was thinking we saw the old overhaul in here and said, no. "Like, eh, it's not exactly it." No. What am I um, what's that? What am I drinking? Oh, I was gonna have Bob introduce it to us. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, just want to toast you guys. This is uh, one of our single barrels. This is. Our Fountainhead single barrel of Henry McKenna, oh, ten-year uh, bottled and bond. This was barreled in 2003, bottled in 2013. Wow. Uh, so I have a couple bottles of these left. This is uh, truly, even going back, this is one of my favorite barrels that we have ever picked out. This is awesome. Um, we've gone through an entire couple bottles in a night on whiskey events, uh, just by the pour of this guy. Yeah. Um, it's it's fantastic. It's even the the Henry McKenna 10-year Bound Bond alone is one of my favorite whiskeys, one of my favorite bourbons uh, out there. Um, and so this was our pick and just wanted to share a, share, share a jam with you guys. Well, you know what, Bob? I can honestly tell you this is my first drink. Oh. Really? Cheers. Cheers, boys. Cheers.